passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But there's no denying Roman Reigns with the ultimate payback here tonight. You have to admit, it's a tangible feeling in the air. It's a new era of WWE. The big dog is back. It's the Roman Reigns era. 9.32 p.m. 9.32 p.m. Eastern Time was when the graphic came up to signal the end of tonight's WWE payback show. There's nothing that I can do to pay back the amount of time that we have saved throughout this era. This is unbelievable. Maybe the greatest pay-per-view of all time. 9.32 p.m. We are done, and I'm talking away at 9.45 p.m. This is outrageous. This is insane. There are times, Way, that we were getting on here at like 11.45. Oh, the law used to start at 11. You remember that? Like, well, you know, like... You'd have like a whole hour and fifteen minutes to kill. Um, this was never a problem, though. At the, at that point, uh, pay per views running too early. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, is this a record? I would imagine of the uh, modern era and this pandemic era. I would say this this is the earliest. This has to be the earliest. Amazing, amazing. Okay, well. Like I, we are not too far off from like in your house times where they were done by you know nine o'clock p.m. I mean, but just so people feel like we're we're gonna praise the show because it was a shorter show, that's not really the case at all. Um, I can tell exactly you, the case. That's no, gonna be my no. not for me, John. Because like for me, it's like I did the show achieve what it, it set out to achieve. Did it give me the storyline points to leave me feeling satisfied by the end of it? And I would say absolutely. After the show, the answer is yes. So whether or not it was like seven hours, um, that only anything beyond what they achieved tonight would have just been filler. A hundred percent. But I think we're we're in complete agreement here that what has been the most consistent argument from people over the last eight years, it's been raw is too long. Even a great show, it's going to affect you. And having these shows where you cut out a lot of excess and we and we're in and out, you start People are tuning in at seven o'clock, and you have them up by nine thirty. That's a that's a great feeling to leave a show with, and, uh, and the shows but, are. But better. it's also on them to yeah, it enhances the show. Uh, but yes, of course, length is not going to simply uh, generate a positive review. But like it, it w- it's w- absolutely w- making a difference than a, a normal w- normal show that would have started at seven, and we would have been going till ten thirty at least. Would you rather listen to a double album of whatever fifty songs? of just whatever the artist created over the past two years? Or would you rather listen to the best 10 songs that the artist created over the past two, three years? I'm buying the single. Sure. You know, like it's, I want it's the a, best. The, the quality of the show, 
these shows, like ever since the pandemic occurred and WWE decided to change the length of these shows from five, six hours to like a very manageable three to four, the quality of the shows have just been better. And you've been able to extend extend certain programs on television. Like that to me has been one of the one of the things that we will often look at when we get on thir- on Wednesday, when AEW will tee up next week's matches. It's that often it's, oh, that looks really interesting. That's a cool match because it's not the case where we're gonna get we're gonna get Chris Jericho and Joey Janela on uh, this Wednesday. It is unlikely we are gonna see that singles match again for a long time. And in WWE, just because of the nature of this, of the beast that they have, brand split or not, I mean, how many, a typical feud will you go through that match? If if you were to hear Jeff Hardy and Sheamus again, it's, you run these matches into the ground that by not needing every single star on tonight's pay-per-view, you can extend a lot more. It would have been very easy to throw AJ Styles in a rematch with Jeff Hardy where Jeff Hardy retains the title and they just keep moving with this Sami Zayn story. But why? Why did tonight's show need that other than to just, uh, boom, we, we blow out another Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles match instead of using it at a more valuable time on TV when TV is a value to us? Absolutely. So tonight's uh, payback event from the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida, that will be uh, what we are diving into and then opening up the phone line. So for our double-double ice cap and espresso patrons that are tuning in live as we speak, uh, the phone lines will be yours to call in and share your thoughts on payback. If we're uh, giving too much credit here on the on the time of this pay-per-view and what your overall thoughts are, there's probably a lot. This was not a throwaway show. They certainly treated it as a show to uh, advance as you mentioned a lot of shows there was there was a payoff to payback yes it was yeah i mean um you know in some ways you you wonder you wonder like i mean the big question is why the show existed to begin with why, and that why, i don't have an answer why the proximity I, to SummerSlam? but in execution it almost felt like it was a SummerSlam, you know um 1.5 um you can even perhaps sense that some things were delayed specifically so that they could drag it out to a payback. And I'm, I guess I mean that, you know, uh, with something like an Apollo Crews versus uh, uh, Bobby Lashley. That was probably a match, if payback didn't exist, you would have seen tonight's result, uh, you know, exactly the way it probably would have happened on SummerSlam. Um, but as a result, they delayed plenty of things for SummerSlam, it's, or sorry, for Payback itself, and it felt like a substantial show that you actually had to watch in order to keep up with storyline. So we started off with the kickoff show, beginning at 6 o'clock, and our new assembled panel featured Charlie Caruso, along with Booker T, JVL, Peter Rosenberg, and the returning Jerry Lawler. Is this like a permanent thing, or, or don't these panels change every week? Uh, the panels adjust, but this was our first time seeing Jerry Lawler since he was taken off commentary. Is that right? Yeah. So he was he was back here. Uh, I wonder if he will be a permanent fixture of these panels moving forward. It was it was a lot of talking heads on this uh, on this panel. Um, R Truth interrupted the panel and he apologized for being late, and he said, "I'm all ready for raw talk." Ha 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 ha. It's not Raw Talk, R-Truth. It's Sunday. And R-Truth explained he looked at his 2019 calendar 
which would mean that August 30th was a Friday. So he got that one wrong too if he was getting set for Raw Talk. Mm. Wasn't this awesome? Yeah, it was, it was fine. WWE then put out a tweet earlier in the day announcing that Drew McIntyre's... So on, on Monday, Charlie Caruso, who definitely needs a hearing aid, uh, was eavesdropping behind closed doors that it was a possible skull fracture sustained by Drew McIntyre after the kicks to the head with bleeding on the brain and a possible career-ending injury for Drew McIntyre. Well, today, WWE Digital broke the news that it's a hairline jaw fracture sustained by Drew McIntyre, which led to the greatest moment on tonight's panel when they started talking about Drew's injury and Jerry Lawler brought up, well, I was on Twitter and Charlie's like, yeah, he's got a skull fracture. And Jerry goes, no, it turns out he's got a hairline jaw fracture. And Charlie is clearly hearing this for the first time and just goes to Jerry. So it's not a skull fracture. No, it doesn't appear to be. Well, that's great news. <laughs> what, what happened here? This went from a career ending injury to uh, ah, take a week off, maybe maybe two. A hairline jaw fracture, which I've never had a hairline jaw fracture. I've also never had a skull fracture, and I definitely take the hairline jaw fracture over breaking my skull. I mean, could be that they decided we don't want him out for that long, so let's downgrade the <laughs> severity of the injury. Um, Is that not a conversation for Monday? You mean last Monday? Why are we Why are we doing this angle? You mean last Monday? Yeah. Um. Why are we doing this angle? Just to get him off of payback, so he doesn't have to do the Sunday show. Okay. You want That's an it. injury that takes him out for seven days specifically? Well, I just think that we did such an intense angle on Monday. I think we could have gotten away with uh, one kick uh, and not made this a career-ending injury, only to say six days later, nah, he's he'll be fine. One kick, though, wouldn't work for somebody that you're trying to promote as a Superman, right? I mean, Shawn Michaels can survive one kick. Drew, that means Drew can survive three. Okay. This, uh, we, we will see how this ultimately plays out. This, this would seem like a waste of an injury angle, but um, his jaw will be, I'm sure, it will recover to 100% capabilities. Uh, they also had a discussion about Biggie and the Miz's follow-up segment on this weekend's Talking Smack. Did you get to see any of the highlights of uh, their new discussion? I watched. This I watched the whole episode, and okay, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely like a return to form of the original Talking Smack, and I say that I think primarily because I think the Miz is just so excellent in the spot. I know he's not supposed to be the host of it. Woods is supposed to be back, uh, or supposed to debut, I guess, finally next week. So we'll see how Woods does. But Miz is just such a great shit disturber and such a great improviser uh, when it comes to like I don't know, like having communication in storyline form, but also in kind of real shoot work shoot type of type of ways with with guys like Matt Riddle. Um, but Big E made a return, and like talking smack to me just kind of proves again to be. They are maintaining the essence of what made the previous show work in that it's a playground for guys to improvise as their characters. And in the case of this Miz and Biggie story, I guess they're delving more into kind of like work shoot elements too. I thought Biggie was fantastic in his justification for his just having the convictions in his character choices and trusting his gut 
and I thought he was so fantastic uh, with the Miz here, and you know, really navigating what could have been, um, you know, the the whole discussion of the racial component of this last weekend. I mean, it's it's very hard to have that discussion, um, and they were clearly talking about it, but not talking about it on on this week's show, and Biggie. You know, stating exactly what we had thought was sometimes we create some great moment here in WWE and then we beat it into the ground. And that's why I was hesitant to come back on here this week with The Miz and try to recreate what we organically created last week. But they ended up having, uh, to me, like just a great portrayal of Big E that this guy, like this version of Big E felt like just a superstar after seeing these clips. Yeah, I didn't, you know, if if the concern was that this was going to be feel less organic and that it was going to feel, you know, like a fabricated version of 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 what what felt natural the week before. I don't think they I mean, I thought I thought they avoided that uh pretty well. It, it, um it felt like a real conversation between two people. I felt like very much like this week was an attempt to capitalize on the buzz that last week uh received but also in a way cleaning up the storyline or cleaning up like the conversation to avoid the things that they didn't specifically really want to mention the second time around. And that in particular was there was no mention of Kofi Kingston second time around. And really like the racial elements outside of like, you know, Biggie's kind of like introduction there. They kind of didn't really discuss all that much. Instead, they con- turned it into Biggie using comedy as yeah. his, uh, whether it's his gateway to uh, a higher position or it's going to be what detracts him from, from getting there. That's what they have made the focus of this and not so much the, uh, more, more serious issues, but that's kind of what they have taken this. And that became the, the panel discussion here where, I mean, the, the panel, it's designed. It's like one person takes one side, one person takes another side. Booker T decided to take the Miz's side here and say that the comedy is hurting Biggie. And JBL, of all people, just says, dude, you did the spinner Rooney. You did OK. It's a it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Booker T didn't really have much of a of a comeback on that one, but um, anyway, I thought that it's it's to me again um, taking a- enough real elements that your audience can understand if there if there is double meaning to what you're talking about on Talking Smack, but it doesn't divorce yourself from you know Biggie can be talking about the idea that you know I that Kofi didn't get a chance that you're you're still not. In some ways, you're breaking the fourth wall, but you're also in some ways still keeping it like he didn't get his he wasn't uh, given world title shots. Like you're still keeping it into this realm of story as well, where you can draw from this stuff into the actual program. They've kind of like shelved that conversation for the time being and kind of like have have kind of ignored it. Um, But at the same time, it would have not served the purpose of getting Big E over as a focused single star. Whereas I think a storyline like this, pivoting it to something like what they did, is is a bit more you know, productive, you know, for for a pro wrestling angle. And then we had our lone kickoff match with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan against the Iconics, who cut a promo stating that Riot and Morgan they won't last together at all. So the match begins, and Riot gets thrown into Liv Morgan's knees. Then she blind tags herself in. So we're getting the sense that Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot, they're not quite on the same page and they're still having their issues. Riot got hit with the shades of K on the floor. And then Liv gets, Liv is distracted with Billy K, 
on the floor. And then from behind, Peyton Royce shoves Liv off the apron. And the Iconics try to convince Liv that it was Ruby Riot that hit her. So Liv believes these two and starts to get upset and is about to leave when all of a sudden Ruby is reaching her arm out and Liv has just had enough and she comes back, tags in, and fires up on the Iconics. Um, she was making this great comeback right up until she slipped on this on the second rope, but just kept going and hit this big double stomp to the back of Peyton. The Iconics then, with Riot in the ring, hit Deja Vu. Morgan made the save, and Riot was dragged into the corner for the tag. Morgan stopped Deja Vu, hit a slingshot flatliner onto Peyton, the finisher she's been using, and... This allowed Riot and Morgan to double-team Billy Kay with uh, the double knees from Liv into the Riot kick, and Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan win the match in nine minutes, two seconds. It, it was a fine match. Um, I thought, you know, Liv definitely stood out in her comeback. Uh, she she looked very good, uh, maybe outside of that slip, as you mentioned. I I didn't enjoy the attempt at the tension building here between Liv and Ruby. It was not convincing at all, and in fact just made Liv look really stupid for believing this very obvious i don't know and the consistency and in, in all of this just like the like you're taking the word of these two like shit disturbers in the iconics and it's just it's always a tough light to put your baby face in where you the viewer are watching someone be so clearly outsmarted but thankfully she ends up getting the last laugh in this to me it just reeks of like maybe lack of a better idea you know, how are we going to create tension between these two tag team partners? You bump into her, and then she'll say, oh, your partner bumped into you. I just think that's really, uh, I don't know, just kind of lazy. You know, and granted, this is just a kickoff match, but still, it was like, any TV time is important. So, um, they're also this, like... This is important, because you you need to build up teams in this division, badly. And these are... Like outside of the your Bailey Banks and now the new champions, like this is kind of your next rung. Like you need to be building them up, and that's I feel where we're going with Ruby and Liv here. Well, listen, we have a lot of teams that see, don't can't seem to get along at the moment, so maybe we just need like some sort of like a guidance counselor, um, tag team counselor, I suppose, to step in and really get all these teams together in shape, and the tag team division will be flourishing. Well, they came back to the panel for a post match interview. And Riot said that the Iconics have been playing with them. This is just the beginning for us. And they really implied that this was the end of the Iconics feud. And then Ruby and Liv looked at one another. And Ruby said, I riot to live. And Morgan <laughs> said, I live to riot. And the two just laughed. I laughed. They just looked at each other. And they took off. Um... When will you and I be able to come up with something that Jeez. comes close to this way? Because yeah. this is the mark of a real friendship is being able to have this level of play on words with your names. Um, well, you're, I'm going to have to really rack my brain to come up with how I can Pollock something. I'm going to catch a Pollock. I'm going to like catching a fish. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Uh, very, like very corny you know, catchphrases. Um, I riot to live. <laughs> hey, I live to riot. Didn't they say that they're like, didn't live say like they're, didn't she say like living riot? Like, living riot, I think was the name that 
They're going to uh, force feed into uh, their merchandise, I the guess. The Living Riot. The Living Riot. Yeah, it sounds like a like a thrash metal band. It sounds like your your first high school band that you look back on and be like, oh, what were living we thinking? Riot. The Living Riot, because we couldn't be a dying riot. Charlie then referred to the Iconics as a pain in the ass. And then Booker T, what an analogy, said that Randy Orton... Is like Anderson Silva, just running dominant, but then he ran into Chris Weidman. Can Keith Lee be Chris Weidman? That's the question of tonight's pay-per-view. <laughs> um, About as Chris stunning Weidman. a win. What? About as stunning a win tonight. Oh, yeah. The, the fashion in which he won. Thankfully, Randy didn't uh, snap his leg if they do a rematch. Mm. Uh, this was the rematch, so maybe he's escaped the, uh, the curse of Anderson Silva, Chris Weidman. Mm-hmm. And then we got Charlie learning about Drew's condition. On to the main show we go. We kick things off with Apollo Crews and Bobby Lashley for the United States title. MVP cutting a promo stating that Apollo got the biggest win of his career last week. The last time he faced Lashley, he was home for a month recuperating. And Crews is going to be a a permanent stay-at-home dad after tonight. That's not nice. It's a... it would be I'm really glad like Apollo wasn't like in a split screen or this was done in the ring because he'd be forced to have to react to this. And like it would be like so shitty like that you get so offended by the idea of like I'd be at home at, with my family. Like, that, how dare you? Well, that would be <laughs> how, how do you get upset about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not getting paid. That's he'd still not gonna, a good thing. Oh, he's not getting fired. Just be at home injured. That's the in theory. Still gets downside, wouldn't he? I don't know for how long. Would depend if they if another uh, another wave of the pandemic hits and gotta make tough choices. <laughs> they're just they're just getting by. So MVP and Shelton Benjamin were in the corner of Lashley, and Cruz went for this drop kick that did not appear to land, but Lashley reacted anyway. Uh, then Lashley was knocked to the floor and hit with a moonsault off the apron. MVP and Benjamin got into Cruz's face, but they had to break the count to get back in. Lashley hits him with the Dominator, uh, and then he had lifted up Cruz and dropped him ribs first onto the top rope. And this would prompt Cruz to sell his ribs for the rest of this match. And he's trying to cut off Lashley, who was dominating him. Cruz countered the full Lashley, which is still a name I'm not used to yet. I don't Ah, man, I really don't like it, but we'll get used to it. Cruz delivered a pair of German suplexes. After the first one, uh, Lashley just got up and yelled and then took another German. Cruz had a frog splash for a near fall, and this was when I thought the match was really clicking uh, at this point. If they if they did not have um, the, the hand dryer uh, audio, I think the crowd would be going pretty nuts here. Lashley then caught him with a chokeslam and then applied the full Monty and Cruz was brought to the ground and tapped out immediately at 925. Bobby Lashley wins the U.S. title and then we got a post-match attack by Cruz who vows to win the title back. I thought this was a good match. I thought they built some nice near falls here. It was a good display of both power and speed from both men. I was not really a fan of Cruz attacking Lashley afterwards. I didn't running off too. It was a very strange dynamic because he is outnumbered, but he kind of does this 
Got a cheap shot attack from behind. It's not like he lost this match by any exactly. kind of heinous means. He lost clean, yeah. attacks the guy from behind, and then when the guy when Benjamin and MVP are there, he runs off because of the numbers game. I, I didn't think it really put any kind of sympathy towards Apollo Cruz, and maybe you're not supposed to have sympathy for him, but I certainly do not want to see the hurt business in any kind of babyface. Like they they work very well together in this role. Yeah, absolutely, and I think Cruz is is doing excellently as a babyface. Um, that I, I definitely wouldn't consider any sort of like double turn or anything like that. But I, I just thought the booking at the end here of him attacking. Like he was a sore loser, you know, because he lost cleanly to Bobby Lashley. Didn't make him look good. Him like kind of cowering away right after getting a hit didn't make him look good either. Um, but the thing is, I guess you needed a way to signify that Cruz was vowing revenge. I guess there, I, I just feel like there would have probably been a better way of doing it in a babyface fashion. Yeah, and they'll probably come back with, with another rematch here. But getting the title onto Bobby Lashley and doing it in pretty emphatic fashion here. Mm-hmm. So we will see if this means catering for Apollo Crews, as had been threatened by MVP. Mm-hmm. If he lost this title, he'd go right back. Kayla, being a stay-at-home dad permanently. Isn't that what he ooh. said? Well, I mean, he walked out here on his own uh, accord. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he does have that going for him. Kayla Braxton spoke with Paul Heyman and asked if Roman Reigns has signed the contract. Heyman said... Reigns promised he would sign the contract and he would be here tonight. Uh, Kayla cannot get an interview with Roman Reigns, so Heyman turns that down. Yeah. So JBL approaches Keith Lee in the back. He enjoys watching Keith, and he offers him some hedge funds for a million dollars each. Keith Lee said, hey, I've been on the main roster for a minute. I, I do not have the resources to uh, afford these hedge funds. JBL says, if you win tonight, you'll be on your way. And don't feel bad if you lose to Randy Orton tonight. He's one of the greatest ever. I saw this and definitely felt like it was a really unusual way to introduce Keith Lee. Never thought I would picture him in a segment with JBL selling him hedge funds. On his like on his second appearance, since it's just his call not up, what I think about hedge funds with JBL, and he has to basically <laughs> say it's like ah, I'm, I don't make a whole lot of money doing this thing. Well, I mean, not JBL money, that's for sure. Um, what an, what an indictment of NXT. <laughs> yeah, really, but uh, yeah, I just don't look at Keith Lee and think, hmm, what's his portfolio look like? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess the idea here was to introduce him as like an everyman who can't afford million dollar hedge funds. Is that awesome? It? Yeah, that that's what we need. More baby faces that are right at everyone else's level that we don't uh have any any aspirations uh for. <laughs> it definitely teases that like I mean they gotta follow up on this, right? Like is this JBL Keith Lee thing. He won the match, so he's on his way to buying hedge funds. Are we gonna get a follow up on this? Yeah. I mean really it, it was on um Tom Phillips to announce at the end of the match that Keith Lee's so- stock is soaring. <laughs> Yes. So no hedge funds, very bizarre, but I, th- I think the idea here was that JBL was supposed to be telling him, hey, uh, there's no shame in losing to Randy Orton tonight. What a weird way to say that. Hey, they could have cut a lot of this out. I think it kind of like put Keith Lee. Uh, I-, I never want to portray my, my wrestlers <laughs> as like, sorry, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to scrape by here. I'm just trying my best. I don't make a lot of money. I'm just an NXT, former NXT champion. 
Yeah. Like, that's it. It's like this guy isn't just some random person. This isn't Drake Maverick. You know what I mean? It's Keith Lee, which after tonight is not the – anyway, we're, we're probably giving way too much focus to this this silly line. It's but a it just weird begs segment. the question, how did it get in there? How did this line get in there? What's the – a thought process led to this being put in there for, for what – to one to end? <sighs> yeah. Maybe that's the new gimmick he's got. Maybe he's, like, going to be, like, a stockbroker. The, the bear. Or is he the bull or the bear? Um, one of the two. <laughs> maybe he will be a. Uh, maybe one of WWE's other sponsors is going to get behind Keith Lee, and next time he'll hold up his milkshake, and we'll get Sonic, the hedge fund. Hmm. All right. Sonic being the yeah. uh, fast food place I know. that often advertises that's on very, WWE. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I didn't write this segment. Big E versus Sheamus. The match we thought would be on the kickoff, but then uh, they got undercut. So they got onto the main show and had quite a lengthy match here. 12 minutes they went. Sheamus cut a promo saying, People have said that Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods have been holding Big E back. In fact, they've been propping you up, and tonight it's your time to fall. Big E did fall. He was on the edge of the apron and went for his usual splash, but this time Sheamus got out of the way. So Big E had to land on the edge and just crash to the floor. I will say this. I bet you it is 10 times harder to do this knowing the guy is moving and you've got to land. The way he landed, this did not look, uh, this is not the most dangerous thing you're going to see in wrestling. But man, it just looked like crap to take. I mean, the guy's kind of used to doing those like empty um, suicide this is dives, like a right? This is like a belly flop. That was what it was like watching it. It's just like, oh God. Well, he's he's got a lot of muscles to cushion his fall. Somehow missing this splash prompted Sheamus to make the decision left knee. And that's what he went after. He just worked over this knee. He attacked him with the Irish curse, half crab. Big E was just fighting out of these submission maneuvers. And then finally caught him with a belly to belly. He fires up and tackles Sheamus off the apron to the floor. The The spear. The spear, but just always frightening. Sheamus then counters the big ending and goes for a heel hook. Sheamus going for the heel hook. And Big E fights free. And Sheamus drills him with a knee, gets a two count, and then sets up for the brogue kick. And he catches him with a power bomb into the big ending. And Big E wins in 12 minutes and 17 seconds. I thought this was definitely Big E's best performance since uh, the singles run began. And uh, in no small part... Uh, Sheamus, I think, did a lot in this match to help him. I thought these two had a very unique chemistry together. I thought this this worked. I agree. I thought this was a good match, and I was actually impressed by Sheamus here. He showed he showed like a bit more of a submission game than usual. Um, seeing his he, entry, he was very good. Like this felt like a credible win for Big E, and Sheamus gave him everything he needed, but also looked very good with the submissions. Like this, yep. this was like a really th- this was way above what I just expected this to be. Like a throwaway match we get on SmackDown. Me too. Me too. Um, you know, like that entry into that heel hook looked very legitimate. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe like this is like the new type of Sheamus we want to see. You know, um. Like, submission expert Sheamus, you know? Anyway, um, good, strong pay-per-view singles win for Big E. Uh, I, I think, you know, the combination of seeing so much of Big E speaking on Talking Smack, 
him being booked to win and look strong, to me, he already feels like he's a pretty complete package. And certainly, you know, a lot more so than like many of the other upstarts they have on that roster. Um, Biggie already feels like a big presence on the show and somebody who is like definitely destined for like a championship run. It he's definitely got something going for him. Like he didn't when the singles run began and it was kind of just floundering. But over this last week, I, I think there's momentum for Biggie. Hopefully it's realized on TV because they definitely have something there. And a, a question will be like, we're almost at that point that Kofi should be ready to come back. And what happens when, when Kofi comes back, I hope it's not just suddenly we're back to the new day. It's it, like, they have yeah. outlined the story that you don't need to do any kind of breakup, but it's like both going on their own singles paths while they can still be united in this New Day thing. Like, you can't just put these two back to being a tag team. No, not at all. Not after, I mean, you've got the storyline in motion. I, I mean, you can definitely either uh, have one of them. Well, maybe you have Woods. I, I, how far is Woods away from returning? Well, Woods suffered that injury, I want to say, October. That was like an Achilles tear. And like a torn Achilles is a terrible injury, but we're, you know, we're coming up like 10 months. Like you would think like that, that usually this is around the time you'd hope he'd be getting ready to come back. But yeah, you know, so, sometimes there's setbacks with injuries like that. Yeah, you might pair those two back as, as a tag team, or if, if Woods isn't back yet, then why not put Kofi towards the IC belt, Big E going for the heavyweight belt? Um, You know, you can split divide and conquer, right? I'll tell you, like, the the one thing that I think Big E really has going for him outside of, you know, incredible size, like, great athleticism, his promos never sound scripted, you know? Like, they could be bombastic and they, they could be completely, like, off the wall, but he can also be serious, as you've been able to see right now on Talking Smack or on his podcast. When he speaks, like, about something real and, 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 and important to him, um, he, he is fantastic. So that well, that's is- why talking smack stood out. Like you can tell when he's got something that means something to him, he's a phenomenal promo. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that probably goes for a lot of people. Like when you can take something legitimate and amplify it, I mean, that is going to resonate because your audience also knows that there is truth to what they're saying. That's going to make you know, a promo is designed to make you feel something, and that is drawing upon real elements. And I think that you've definitely hit on that with Big E. And there's there's a high ceiling for for Big E, but it's you're coming up on that time where you do have to pull that trigger on this guy who has been on the the main roster for coming up on nine years. Mm-hmm. So afterwards, uh, Elise Ashton, who is uh, the backstage interviewer. Brings in the bodacious barefoot bro, Matt Riddle. Oh, can't, can't believe, believe she had to say this. Poor, poor, poor. She had poor to woman. say this with a straight face. That's the bodacious barefoot bro. It couldn't just be the barefoot bro. It has to be the bodacious barefoot bro. Alliteration, bro. I get the sense that it's almost like a form of initiation, okay, for the new person. Script her with the worst. <laughs> like WWE-ified um, nicknames we could imagine and see how well she does. Hi, I'm amazingly awesome Elise Ashton with the bodacious barefoot bro, <laughs> Matt Riddle. Oh, like God. normal people talk. <laughs> Riddle says he's done with this King's Ransom and people attacking him. And then Ashton brings up a tweet from King Corbin 
and wants Matt's thoughts when King Corbin tweeted that tonight he'll prove that Matt Riddle's a failure in the ring just like he's a failure at home. And Matt Riddle just has this look and walks out of the interview. I was not aware of this tweet before. I could not believe that this was their decision to go with um, to build just anything for this match. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Um, I just, I thought it was kind of gross and tasteless, you know, to be going there. Um, When you really, I mean, it it would have been gross and tasteless even if it was just like a, a story of infidelity coming out for Matt Riddle. But considering the circumstances in which that story came out, it to, was horrible to use like, it for story to get a little bit of heat. I I really think it's tasteless. Like it's again, it's like it's it's a story that hasn't really been revisited. But I mean, if you watch that video that Riddle put out, I mean, the mo- you have never seen someone so uncomfortable that, you know, has to admit to cheating on his wife, that is a video his kids are going to see at some point in their lives. And this is just considered, well, this is a great tweet. This is a great zinger to build up this match uh, that's happening in a couple hours from now. I just thought, and to introduce this, like, Matt Riddle, the character on screen, is, like... Also, John, we don't know anything about his family. Like, it's just, it was just such an out-of-left-field line that... I don't know. I just thought it was such a uh, terrible choice. The video itself, John, too, was his denial of a rape allegation. I mean, if that shit is not like off limits for he getting on in a fictitious professional wrestling TV show, I really don't know what what should be. I I felt uncomfortable listening to it. And like this, it seems like they are going to go ahead further into this. Like, think about the fan that is not familiar with that story that here's this line and just wants to dig deeper what they're going to find. Oh yeah. And that's what you, that's, that was the heat. Even that if was you do heat. know about it, like it's just a reminder of it that like, I already feel weird enough, like watching Matt Riddle sometimes and to, to put it right in front of my face. I, I, I think is, is terrible for everybody involved. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, like uh, the on screen is like a, a lesser thing, but like you have now introduced like that is part of this guy's story now that you have now introduced into your own storytelling purposes. Yeah. And and my gut says that well I don't think that this is just a one off either. Like no, they'll probably revisit this unless they drop it completely. I just uh I, I don't know. Like last week it's like was it so necessary on SmackDown that we have to bring up this absolutely traumatic event? Uh, for the purpose of a promo with Sonya Deville. It's like, sure, if she probably gives her okay to it. But it's like, why are we even suggesting it? Yeah, I mean, that one was such... That one, maybe a little bit different, John, because like, it was like so public. It was such big news. You almost, in a way, had to address it somehow. But um I there just, would be no one complaining if no, they had, no, for obvious reasons, not in, not had to mention that on TV. Like, yes, everyone knows about it. It doesn't mean that we have to just bring it up in storyline. And again, it's just, here is some, like, horrible thing that has occurred, and it's a line that we'll just in, inject. This like, this one even more so, John, because, like, this one, I mean, it, that video came of uh, Matt Riddle like uh denying the rape allegation that came out like a whole month ago didn't it you know 
Oh man, it came out like more than a month ago. So like it wasn't even topical. So it was, wasn't like they had to uh, mention it. And the fact that they did only in in this fashion to, I don't know, further this shameless riddle storyline. I I really do question the sensibility. Shayna Baszler was warming up with Nia Jax. They did their usual routine. They can't get along with one another. They're shoving each other, and they agree to kill the pre-match chit-chat. King Corbin, Matt Riddle. Corbin attacks him with a cheap shot as he enters the ring and just starts stomping on Riddle. Riddle went for a flying Kimura and got dumped off by Corbin. So Riddle's just going for different submissions. Rear naked choke. He gets slammed backwards, then sits up, reapplies it, and Corbin had to fight off. Corbin slides under the turnbuckle, runs into a head kick, and then Riddle just goes through all of his big stuff, the Broton, penalty kick, more kicks to the body, and then he hits a a liver shot to Corbin, and he's just grabbing his side in all of this pain, and then Riddle hit him with another kick to the liver. Bro to sleep, floating bro, and he wins in 10 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh, Right as I'm typing that this would signal the end of the feud, Corbin attacks him from behind backstage. That suggests that we're not at the end of this Riddle Corbin saga. It's going to keep going, and uh, I mean, I you know, I shudder to think like what levels it'll go to. I will say, like, I think if I, I'm not, I, I'm absolutely against like getting into that type of like topic. But if you're going to introduce it, I thought it was an inappropriate time to do it here. Like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to go that personal. You should do, use it for the rematch to goad him into a rematch after you've lost to him, right? Like, he said it right before this match, and it wasn't like Riddle came out here looking to kill him because he said something so personal. Riddle came out, you know, like, still kicked his flippers off, or his flip-flops off, as if, like, you know, he was just having any match. And it was actually Corbin who attacked him from behind. So, I question, first of all, I question why you do it at all. Secondly, if you're going to do it, why did you pick this? particularly time to do it um you know all that said i actually enjoyed this match quite a bit you know i it brought about something that i really didn't expect or consider when seeing this match on paper and it's that i think matt riddle is a specific type of wrestler who i think would really benefit from doing a bit more wwe style it was refreshing to me to see like a matt riddle match where he needed to rely a whole lot more on selling facial expressions showing fire rather than just you know bam 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 cool move cool move cool move you know, um, and it resulted in what I felt was like a more believable, well-paced match that maximized the value of his high spots, his athletic high spots. And in that sense, I guess I think Baron Corbin was like actually a perfect opponent for him to, you know, showcase Matt Riddle doing a WWE style of match. Um, and to again, it's like that's not the norm for most people. Like WWE style feels like it's shackling. But in my opinion, I feel like Riddle will actually be a more well-rounded person getting a well-rounded wrestler, you know, getting a bit more of that sort of like, you know, work between the moves. Yeah, I think with Matt Riddle, um, I'm less concerned about kind of the the bell-to-bell with the guy and just kind of the read they have on this guy. And like in one sense, it's like he's just the – the the stoner surfer dude and i think that that's that's very limiting oh, if that's he's a all. lot more than that now they're gonna get into way more character depth well it's like i i i really hope that that is not where like tonight was just an indication of where things are going that they introduced this that they're gonna dive deeper into this because 
I think that's going to turn a ton of people off. As much as you're coming off of the, the Jeff Hardy you know, storyline, story I think this will hit a nerve with people that you do not want to play with right now. That mm. There are a lot of fans that I think are conflicted with their fandom that if you go near this, that is going to alienate yourself from a lot of fans. I agree. And they will get – I think they, it will be – it, one that will get scrutiny um, if mm-hmm. if they play around with this um, for for the exact reasons you laid out. Bailey Sasha Banks against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax for the women's tag titles. Uh, so it's everything you can imagine with Jax and Baszler. They can't get along. Jax tells her, "Follow my lead," and then Baszler tags in. Baszler worked the majority of this match, and it was to the betterment of this match. I think she works so well with, with Bailey, but Banks as well. Um, she's just got such a a great style, and I, I think it really mm. gels very effectively. And it's you could so argue from the rest, yes, totally different. Like she is unlike anybody else um, in this women's division. And if you are tasked with Nia Jax, is one of the women that needs to be in a prominent role. Putting her in this tag team is, to me, not the worst direction for Nia Jax, as opposed to she has to go out there and do 10 minutes on her own. Sure, yeah. But what is the ultimate goal of this tag team, though? Right? Aren't, aren't we still building up to a Shayna versus Nia match? Um, no, we're building up to their version of I live to riot, I riot to live. That's their goal. Hmm. Interesting. Um Banks pulls Nia off of the apron in the corner, and they're able to get control of Shayna. Um, Baszler goes for a cover. Nia takes Sasha from the floor and throws Sasha to break up the cover, which was a unique way to break up a cover. Mm-hmm. Behind the referee's back, Banks chop blocks the knee of Nia Jax, and Jax later goes for a leg drop that Bailey avoids, and Bailey goes for a knee bar. It's like they brought in uh, like Henzo for like a tutorial for all the SmackDown talent. You know, it's all the Raw Underground, I bet. But these guys haven't been on Raw Underground. Oh, it's, maybe it's just taking notes. Yeah, yeah, they want. Maybe maybe, she, maybe Shane brought in Phil Nurse, and uh, they've been uh, and Henzo just popped along and decided to you know you know John Danaher is lurking somewhere in the Raw Underground oh, in Rashguard. If, if they ever discovered John Danaher, I mean. Yeah. TNA, TNA knowing the success they found with Dan Lambert. I mean, John John Danaher is just there for the taking. You know how great that guy would be? Imagine him as the controller, the controller of The Fiend. Whoa. Think of uh, Loomis, Loomis and Michael Myers. Wow. That is John Danaher and The Fiend, and I all of a sudden have just endless ideas. You ever see The Fiend with his mask off? Might be John Danaher. Oh my goodness! Holy shit! You see, the fiend. I don't. I don't particularly lionize the particular mandible claw that is putting the extra weight and pressure onto the man's oh, gullet. God, you know Brandon from New Jersey is loving this. He's probably in a coma by now. So. Banks counters a powerbomb, hitting a face buster onto Jax. Bailey hits the top rope elbow. Banks follows with a frog splash. Jax kicks out. So they really protected Jax as kind of the monster of the team, while Baszler is the, you know, the submission w- uh, expert. And Baszler blind tags in. And in all of this, 
Uh, Bailey is tagged. So Bailey is the legal woman. Keep that uh, clear. And with Jax out, she goes to apply a Muda lock onto Banks and then catches Bailey and applies the Kirafuda clutch. So she's got a simultaneous Muda lock, Kirafuda clutch, goes down to her back, and then from the position takes Sasha's arm to choke Bailey, who then taps out. Now, this is playoff rules times a hundred. This is game seven, and we are in the third period, <laughs> and there are no rules being called. Why Shayna has these two women together in a submission, let's bypass that. This was clever as fuck, okay? I thought this was like the coolest looking finish using yeah. Sasha's arm to choke out Bailey for what material you can get out of that and made Shayna just look so cool here in how she won this for the team. Uh, it was such a badass finish. I'm not even going to like dissect and question the legality of it. The legal woman Whatever. did tap out, so well, you can like, at least okay. say that. When you think consider it, okay, you're I mean, in the at the end of a of a tag team match, everybody comes in anyway, right? You can attack whoever you want at that point. Like it's almost just an unspoken rule, isn't it? So as long as you are have a submission on somebody else and you're making that person tap, does it matter what you're using around you? No, right? I mean uh not not in the se in the sense that you do have the the illegal person is in the ring. Yeah, but that happens all the time. People like breaking up finishes and everything. I whatever, who cares? This was such a badass finish. If there was any doubt that they weren't taking Shayna Baszler seriously, I think this tells you that they have to be because this finish and the end of this match was really totally centered around her. This finish yeah. I thought made her um having her essentially single-handedly beat Sasha and Bailey, you know, the two MVPs of your TV show for like the past month and a half or two months, you know, she came in and just, she looks so good here. Um, the match to me, like really exceeded my expectations. I thought Bailey and Sasha were spectacular, kept a really exciting sprinting pace throughout. They also had to, to distinguish themselves as the heels in this match in a match against two other heels. Yep. So they did a great job of that. Um, Shayna was amazing and what a finish. This is a great performance by, by Shayna, who is, like, let, let's be honest, like, she has had, like, we always knew it was going to be a very difficult road for her to navigate here on the main roster. And this year, it has been. Um, mm -hmm. when, when you look back at the plan of her to, to win the Rumble that got thwarted and everything that's happened since then, this is the most concrete thing she's gotten so far, and it's working, and... Whether that took Nia Jax, that here is some character stuff that we can get out of Shayna, whatever. It's gotten you another player into this women's division, and you've set up Shayna and Nia to defend these tag titles as the odd couple. You've got Shayna that still wants to go for Asuka. You've got Bailey and Banks that progresses that feud. Um, I, I thought this worked really well. I, I, I really enjoyed the finish. I thought that this that was a finish that took a lot of thought, and I thought worked out really well, and it's got... Just think of like the promos. Like Bailey can blame Sasha for losing, and Sasha can blame Bailey for losing. Totally, yeah, man. Like whoever came and out with that and finish, Banks has no belts, so you have that as well. Yeah, so all the belts are dwindling. Whoever came in with that finish, Shayna, I hope buys them a drink because um, that is like a highlight reel thing for her that she'll have forever. That really puts her on the map. Um, and yeah, this Bailey Sasha, you know, Bailey and Sasha, I would say like they probably had the most significant tag team run. 
tag team title run of any of the former women's tag team champions. They, I guess, I don't know if they were necessarily even active defending the belts themselves, but they were certainly an active presence on TV, which is more than I can say for many of the other prior champions. Does this mean uh, Shayna and Nia can be on both shows? Yes, it does. That's exactly what that means. So afterwards, Charlie interviewed the new champions, and Nia Jax just acted insane here, just celebrating that they won. And that was that. And you had Shayna kind of playing like, you know, she clearly earned the win for the both of them, but it wasn't like she was completely denouncing Nia's, like, involvement either. Basically, Shayna is a babyface now. She's a very clear babyface, especially after that finish like that. How can you not cheer her, right? So, um... That seems to be the status of, of this team, Would, wouldn't you say? Like, they're a babyface team. Did, did that come across like that to yes. you? Yes. Oh, definitely. Like, they, they worked as the babyfaces mm-hmm. in this match, even though they weren't getting along. Like, that was the um, like that, that was the story they had. But they were clearly positioned as, as your babyfaces. Uh, my question is, uh, will we find Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir? God, that's a great question. What happened to I'm, that? I'm worried about all these people that go into the Raw Underground that we 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 never see again, like Baba Tunde and yeah, Shayna, uh, Shayna's friends. Uh, Did they just completely drop that? Uh, which, uh, like Jessamine and Marina, they were there one week and then they disappeared. Yeah, so yeah, I don't know. Maybe. So Keith Lee and Randy Orton followed that. Uh, Lee comes out. With his uh, his music that has been uh, soundly um, given a thumbs down, I think would be the the safe way to say this. So they did bring back the bask in his glory like soundbite off the top, but it's just like a fade into his generic theme song. But it's not only that; like he comes out. I didn't notice this if he did this on Raw or not. But he comes out here wearing this like hood vest with Saiyan shoulder pads, and like a fucking hay skirt? Like a hula skirt? What is this? Let me just fucking tell you, okay? This guy wearing a hulu skirt, guess what? He's gonna be he's he's gonna be cut from the hulu version of payback, okay? With his fucking gear if he keeps wearing this. Oh goodness. They are a sponsor of this show. So uh aesthetics aside. Uh, the match begins. I would, and- you know, no complaints about anything after like he could, he could have put a L- I don't know, toilet on his head. And, and if the result of this match was what it was, I, I wouldn't complain N- a year from now, like uh, pr- provided, uh, things go this direction. No one is going to remember this past week's raw. No one is going to remember, yep. um, the Who debate about it? his music, about his gear, which are small things that are things, but not, not live or die. This was much more important what they did with him tonight. So Lee hits Orton with a running cross body and Orton just rolls to the floor. Dude, Randy Orton was fantastic in this match. There are guys that will be put in these positions and they're going to do it kicking and screaming and they're going to think, oh my God, I've got to lose. So I'm, I'm giving this guy nothing and I'm going to keep myself strong. Dude, Randy Orton sold for this guy. He got his power across this. Randy Orton was like a total pro seeing what his job was tonight. That given his his run this year and where he's figured into, I would think that there would be some who would not be as giving as Randy Orton was here. I thought he was fantastic. 
He dumps Keith Lee onto the announcer's desk, and then Lee comes back with a pounce, and he lifts up Orton and dumps him onto the desk. And the announcers are putting it over that here's Keith Lee one-upping Randy Orton, and they get back inside. Lee gets hit with the draping DDT. And as Randy sets up for the RKO, he's caught with the spirit bomb, and Keith Lee pins Randy Orton clean as a sheet. Six minutes, 40 seconds. You could not have done uh, a better job with Keith Lee. And this is what I've talked about. Bring someone in new and do something shocking that instantly tells your audience, take this guy seriously. And this gets a total thumbs up for how he was handled. I was certainly shocked. You know, the fact that they not only had Keith Lee win, but to win cleanly. Certainly, like, you know, it, w- it could have been, you know, very easy to do a, uh, Drew McIntyre comes out. Uh, he's miraculously recovered from the hairline jawline <laughs> fracture. The hairline he jawline fracture. Distracts Randy Orton, causing a roll up victory for Keith Lee. What a shocking upset. Keith Lee gets the rub. You know, like they could have done that, but they didn't. It was like straight up guy goes for RKO. Lee hits the spirit bomb, pins him one, two, three. I was astounded because. I mean, when they made this, put this match on paper, uh, it was really tough to. I mean, I think I would have said it would have been tough to predict, but it It really. Well, I wouldn't have necessarily said so because in situations like these, they always put the guy going for the title over. They always put the veteran over in Randy Orton, and that's completely what I expected here. Uh, But to have Lee win in this fashion against the guy who is currently in the middle of a title program with Drew McIntyre. I I was astounded, and that made it that much more impactful. This is exactly what the finish, I think, the best possible case of what the finish could be in a match like this. Yeah, it was just a tremendous introduction of Keith Lee. They need baby faces, and Keith mm-hmm. Lee is as solid a pick as anyone. And made him in one night. Yeah, like this was this was a great utilization. And Randy Orton, like this guy, cuts one promo. Like it's. Yep. You're way overthinking things when you think a guy can't sustain a loss like this. It's total. It makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure that and it creates an opponent for him. Like you need opponents, and I can certainly see a scenario where, whether it be the draft, like Keith Lee could be a key guy on either show. Um, and and who's to say like Drew McIntyre might be on a different show at, at a different point? So. There's all these different things, but having another solid baby face in there um, is not going to hurt at all. So they did a great job realizing that and going all the way here with with Keith Lee. Kayla catches up to Paul Heyman again and asks if Reigns has signed the contract. And Heyman's pretty much gave the exact same promo he did earlier, that Reigns has promised to be in the match. And he gave the spoiler that he will leave as champion. Yeah. This was easier than just doing a, a highlight pack from SmackDown. Seth Rollins and Murphy against Ray and Dominic Mysterio. They did a deal where Dominic faked out Seth and Murphy, where they teased Ray was going to start the match, but in fact, Dominic did and jumped them. And he was outsmarting the heels at the beginning. Rollins then got control when he slid Ray on his chest on the mat to the floor where Murphy was stationed and had his knees up. So Ray slid to the floor, landing on the knees, and they got the heat on Ray. So it was quite the dynamic to watch Ray just sell and sell and sell to build up to the big hot tag to Dominic. What I love, though, okay, is that he hot tags to Dominic and Dominic comes out with like this crossbody and you're expecting Dominic to like go on like a big run, right? But he's immediately caught into a Falcon arrow and 
they immediately enter into back into the heat and they're just beating up onto Dominic setting up the, the hot tag for Ray. I I really like the breaking of the formula. It was essentially like Ray like tagging out and then like setting up his own hot tag. <laughs> he he had to take the Falcon arrow and then he just fights to the corner to tag Ray back in who's like probably just catching his breath. But from... it was believable, right? Like yeah. it's a kid. Ray hits a moonsault off the top onto Rollins and then sets him up for the 619 that Rollins ducks. Dominic hit this big tornado DDT where Murphy took like the craziest like straight down bump on his head. Rollins hit Dominic with the sling blade and then Ray's in with the seated senton and then Rollins catches him with the tilt-a-world backbreaker. Everybody's down. Ray comes off the top and Rollins went for like a code breaker catching him in midair and Rollins starts yelling, I'll do it myself. Because Murphy is nowhere to be found. He goes for the stomp. Ray gets out of the way. And then Dominic uh, had been taken out because they tossed him into the barricade. And Rollins holds up Ray for the buckle bomb. And then Murphy's back on the apron. And he tells him, kick him in the head. So he goes for the buckle bomb. Ray counters, sending Rollins into the corner. And Murphy kicks Rollins in the head. Ray is then slid to the floor where he hits a sunset bomb to Rollins and Dominic is left alone to hit a 619 and frog splash, pinning Murphy at 15 minutes and 58 seconds. Fantastic match. This was my match of the night. Um, Seth Rollins, incredible wrestler. Ray Mysterio, incredible wrestler. Buddy Murphy, incredible wrestler. Dominic Mysterio, not an incredible wrestler. But Work really him in a tag. He, very easy to like hide the deficiencies of someone with that lack of experience in this kind of scenario. I think this this made my appreciation of last week's match even much more yeah. because you can you can see like where where this guy is when you're watching him w- next to Ray, and that's an unfair comparison. But that's going to be made when you're but, positioned in this type of a match. But this all worked out perfectly. Everything that's ever been asked of Dominic up until this point, whether it be, you know, something as simple as deli- oh, come in in the middle of this Brock match and hit a frog splash, he nails. You put him into, you know, the, the segment with the caning. He <laughs> took the caning really well. You put him in a segment like this, uh, like the match last week and, and the match like this, he nails these roles perfectly. So I think it's one thing for him to, like, you know, have maybe, like, you know, one good performance or maybe even two good performances, but it's a string of good performances now. So I, I don't think it's simply a case of him being carried here. I think for somebody of his experience, he is really proving himself to be, I would say, a very legitimate talent. Um, definitely, like, you know, yeah, far from, like, a main event scene whatsoever, but, like, there's definitely something there. Um, great match, wonderful tag team wrestling, great pace, great athleticism, great hope spots. Uh, just a, a fantastic match. I love the finish. It was Seth. Seth's, like... Again, like WWE has a habit of like getting their guys to convey the narrative like by talking in the ring, maybe sometimes to to a cliched degree. But when it works, it works. And I thought Seth has been really good at doing that. You know, even as simple as Seth telling Murphy, kick him in the head to set up Ray reversing it and Seth getting kicked in the head. I thought it, it worked out all really well. And then tomorrow night's the big singles match with Ray and Seth. And we'll see where this goes. Like, can you... Do you milk anything more out of this program or is this like either either we're getting some other big angle tomorrow uh, that sets up whatever is next or this is just Ray getting his big win back. But I I, I don't know. It's It seems like Seth is almost uh, set, mm-hmm. set up for something big tomorrow. 
you would think. It, it, in a way, it seems like they're kind of rushing through some of these feuds, you know, and, and maybe this one. So it makes you wonder. Um, I mean, we can't really say much until we see the result of tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, the draft is coming up as well. But they do have a pay-per-view prior to that and you know, like a whole month, don't they? More than a month, right? Yes, more than a month. Uh, and you would have been a little confused if you were watching tonight because we went to a promo where the commercial listed September 20th for Clash of the Champions. And then immediately we go to Cole and Graves who promote, which is the correct date, September 27th for Clash of the Champions. But this was a, a rare blunder mm. on a WWE broadcast. And this was the closest... Uh, we got to anything involving retribution tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's who you blame. They they went into the Chiron and changed the date to a week earlier. But the story here was that the original date was the twentieth, and then a few weeks ago they changed it to the twenty seventh, uh, and that that was the date that was on that contract with the Amway Center. Um, and yeah, and, and I did double check tonight. Twenty seventh is the date, so four weeks until the next pay per view. Okay. And that takes us to the main event, The Fiend Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns for the Universal title. The match begins with just Strowman and The Fiend. So if you, if you thought last week we just didn't get enough of these two, well, here you go, everyone. Here's, here's 10 more minutes for you. So it's Strowman and The Fiend, no Roman Reigns to be found. Uh, Strowman just annihilates him at the beginning, hits a power slam, The Fiend kicks out. And then they go to the floor, and Strowman is put through a desk with a urinagi, and several times we cut to Alexa Bliss watching backstage. Yeah, she's got her pigtails, um, you know, watching, like, admirably at The Fiend. So, definitely, like, teasing, like a, like, a Harley Quinn Joker type of thing. Yeah. The Fiend pulls out his mallet, and then... Braun threw Your an favorite, office chair at him. Oh, the mallet. That's just the point where I'm checked out. I'm done when the mallet is introduced. The office chair thwarted the mallet attack, but luckily Fiend got the mallet to properly attack him in the chest with it. Strowman and him go up the stage, and Strowman tackles him off the stage. Then they make their way back to the ring. I checked my watch to see if we were at 20 minutes yet. We were at like seven. See, you didn't like any of this? I was just. It was just a retread of last week. Only I knew that this had no finality to it because this was just killing time until Reigns gets involved. Well, I actually liked last week's match a lot, and, and like in particular, you know, again, this to me has been the most successful style of match the Fiend has ever been involved in. Just getting out there, no time for any sort of breaks, crashing through a bunch of crazy shit, crashing through walls, crashing off the stage, crashing through the ring. Like I, I found it all quite entertaining. So then, as they're in the ring, Strowman climbs to the top, and he gets stopped, and the Fiend hits him with a superplex, and wouldn't you know it, the ring implodes. Yeah, it was awesome. I thought that this spot, what made this spot so great is, I just, I just think that this was a spot, uh, yes, it, it sets up what we're getting here at the finish. Like, I didn't really have an issue with it, but it's, it's just such a spot that is designed for a live crowd to react to. For sure. I mean, but are you going to save everything until you have live crowds? I, I don't know if I would have gone to the extent of this for, for, for what this was, that I could have come up with 10 different scenarios. I mean, whatever. It's like, I, I didn't, it, this didn't make or break the match for me. It was just, it was there. Um, and then Roman Reigns music hits and out comes Roman in the bank. He signs the contract and comes in with the chair 
and he calls for the referee and he goes for the fiend. The fiend kicks out. He goes for Strowman. Strowman kicks out. I mean, if there was any ambiguity, I mean, it was a hundred percent. Roman Reigns is your heel. Yes. He, he was cowardly. He was frustrated. Like yeah. this was such a departure. You could argue like too much of a departure from the Roman Reigns we have seen for so long who would never uh, display any of this. But this is like a hard turn for uh, Roman Reigns. This is not like a shades of gray. We're moving slowly. It's no, this is this is our top heel. If there's any criticism. Yeah, I would I would maybe, you know, point out the fact that it, it seems really incongruent with what we've known of Roman Reigns. At the same time, we haven't heard an explanation from Roman Reigns, Reigns yet. So we don't know what's been going on in his mind over the past several months that led to this drastic character change, it can be explained. I stayed home for my family, and you dropped all references to me on this program. <laughs> I didn't exist anymore. I mean, that wouldn't be so bad, actually. The funniest part about all this is that if we had crowds now, he'd be the most over babyface. Completely, yes. Like It's amazing that here we are. It's going to be... Uh, it like this was always said like the second you turn this guy give it six months and he'll be your biggest baby face because people will get back into him because you give them what they want and then he's there in the role um that everyone wants it's worked that way for everybody except for steve austin uh because steve austin already was the hottest baby face yeah you took it away from them it wasn't as though they wanted to turn this guy Mm -hmm. so Reigns then starts beating Strowman with multiple chair shots, and then the Fiend applies the Mandible Claw. Reigns breaks it with a low blow, but he's really selling the effects of the Mandible Claw. He gets back into the ring. The Fiend is taken out with a low blow. That's his Achilles tendon. Uh, Achilles heel. (laughs) I'm thinking of Xavier Woods now. Uh, So that takes out the Fiend, and Reigns spears Strowman to win the match in 12 minutes, 39 seconds. You know, I again, I really enjoyed the stuff between Braun and Bray prior to this. I, I found like I found it really good and satisfying. Uh, certainly, the finish from an in-ring standpoint was terrible, but I I definitely feel like it was excusable because it was directly done to make you pissed off. Because Roman Reigns is now a heel who only wins or attempts to win via cowardice. So uh, certainly, like you know, a finish like this, very much like Drenston's story, you can't really call it a great wrestling match as a whole, but it completely served its purpose of ushering this new Roman Reigns heel era. And I would say this even like in a way set off a double turn here because it sets the fiend off on a course for revenge. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you in the sense that like to me the the story over over overrode the match like I, I really didn't enjoy this match at all but the end result of smackdown being built around roman reigns and paul Heyman put smackdown in a much more significant light so i think that you achieved something while not exactly entertaining me in the way that you got there i would say that yes to this really does pair the fiend as kind of like in a babyface role i do feel braun Strowman feels just like yesterday's garbage but you know again like he's got the ricochet excuse and he legitimately actually has it because he was not even supposed to be at wrestlemania he was not supposed to be in this title picture he wasn't supposed to have this run uh he was always really meant to be a placeholder for roman and 
as a result, I mean, I I don't think you lose anything with him in that sense. Why, why turn him the way they did just in the last couple of weeks when this story would, to me, you would have two baby faces to feud with and a natural story with Braun to do that. And t- to me, it just feels like Braun's turned, but he's not going to be the number one heel. So you've just kind of lowered him. So he's like the lesser heel of Roman. And it just kind of takes away any heat for Braun. And I think that Roman and Braun, like you can absolutely do that match. There's a story there. You could still do it if you wanted. Um, Only if you abandon this recent turn of Braun. Like it doesn't work if he's playing this maniacal monster that's just lost all his sense of morals. Why can't you still do the the match? Because he's just a again like I I hate to really kind of like use their speak, John, but like d- 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 with a character like that, I guess you do have to operate in a bit of a shade of gray, and 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 you put Braun against Roman if you wanted to in a heel versus heel match where they just where hate, Braun's, hate each other. Braun by default is your babyface because it's going to be Reigns as this coward of Braun. I just I don't understand why you went so hard with this turn when you knew this was around the corner. But there are many reasons too. Like it's you know you had to build up to several main events. You had to build up to a third match between Braun and the Fiend, and the, Braun had to be somewhat different and involved because the same Braun Strowman going for the Fiend for a third time just wouldn't have cut it. Um, and I mean above all, it was just I think Braun was just due for a character change to begin with, and. You had to have a fall guy in this match, too. And he just happened to play that role. Well, that ends payback. Uh, I thought overall this was a very good show. Uh, I was with you. I thought the tag was was match of the night. I I enjoyed most most of everything on, on this show to some degree. Uh, I thought a weak main event, but I think overall Roman Reigns coming back and winning the title, I think that propels the importance of SmackDown uh, to me. It's just a stronger person to build the show around uh, and where they go with the fiend. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of interest in this week's SmackDown and conversa. I thought Keith Lee, that was a home run. What they did with him. Randy mm-hmm. was great in that match as well. Um, Shayna was really a, yep. you know, th- that tag match worked very well. And again, like a sleeper match to me was like that biggie Sheamus match that to me delivered a lot more than I thought it would. They definitely set in motion, like many new pieces. Um, that you know they did like a lot of great work with and and, and you mentioned it you know starting with Big E all the way to Shayna Baszler and in this case not just bring like obviously Roman Reigns coming back to SmackDown would have been like fantastic on its own but they didn't just do that they took the opportunity to really freshen him up by turning him heel pairing him with Paul Heyman and completely in my mind like reinvigorating the top end of SmackDown um as a whole and and in this case this pay per view so. Uh, for a show that nobody asked for, for a show that I simply had no real anticipation for, this show greatly exceeded my expectations. I thought the matches were good. Story development was good. And the length was perfect. The length cannot be understated. I thought that that was... I, I would say tonight, like, I, I did have, like, the tag match as my my match of the night. I, I didn't think anything hit the level of uh, Dominic and Seth and Drew and Orton last week. But I would say from, like, a start to finish... I. I think like this show, um, you know, I, I think honestly it was two very good pay-per-views back to back weeks from WWE. I thought overall, like when you compare last week's SummerSlam and this week's payback, like you're going to have your misses on any show. Uh, and it's not like this one didn't have some, but I've got to say like, that was 
two very consistently strong pay-per-views from WWE. And I, and as well, I mean, they certainly felt that like they have gotten that Thunderdome bump and Mm -hmm. this past week, Raw did a terrific number. SmackDown is still topping 2 million viewers. And I think that they will, I I think that you do have some momentum coming out of these two pay-per-views. And now the, now you kind of are out of these two pay-per-views and you've got to build to Clash of the Champions and, you know, things are going to kind of settle in where the Thunderdome will lose its novelty. But you've got some interesting stories and some new developments for characters that should propel you to have um, some more uh, some more interest than just simply people that were drawn in by the Thunderdome, for instance. We shall see. We shall see if, like, you know, the like the casuals or the people who are lapsed fans at this point, at this point are interested in any of these new ve- developments. If they've heard of even these new developments enough to to stick around for Raw and SmackDown this week. What do you see them doing with with Keith Lee next? Oh goodness, yeah. Um, you know, because Drew is still. I mean, it depends if Drew is back, but like. Wouldn't Logic tell you that, like, he would be involved in the title mix? I mean, logically, he should be. Um, that, I mean, to go to, like, some kind of three-way, I, I don't know. It's it's tough, but, like, he should be. Yeah, he just beat the guy that should be getting that rematch with, with well, it's like Drew beat Randy. It's like Keith should be leapfrogging uh, Randy. Unless they want to delay Drew and Orton even longer, you know, and, and maybe your stopgap is... Keith Lee versus Drew McIntyre at Clash of Champions. You could like you could put Keith Lee on this role and just have him beat guys every week on TV, and it builds up to this title match with Drew, and and then maybe it's then Drew gets his big win over Keith Lee, but you've already built up Keith Lee where he's he's established by that point, but you just have him just look tremendous every week on TV. But, you know, in either case, I mean, you definitely keep the ball rolling on Keith Lee by having him look strong, beating everybody. Um, Yeah, so, well, we'll see what that means for, you know, some of the members of of the Raw roster, like Aleister Black. Um, That guy's got to figure himself into something. Oh, he's got Kevin Owens. He's got Owens, yeah. Right. Yeah, which I imagine, like, I, I don't see them stretching that one out for four weeks. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we will open up the phone line. So if you if you saw fee, if you saw payback and would like to give us your feedback, feedback to payback is what we're looking for. So uh, dial in. You can uh, search for post wrestling. Skype in, and we will be taking your phone calls as long as they are coming in. But tonight on the forum, tonight's show out of ten gets a six point seven four. Is that more or less than? Um... SummerSlam, actually. Let me look up SummerSlam's rating here. You guys thought SummerSlam was a 5.8, so... Okay, that's that's how it did SummerSlam. All right, let's start off with Andy from London. This was an excellent WWE show, the best of the empty arena era. Big E and Keith Lee are two babyface stars that the company desperately needs and might actually be getting a proper push so that they can shine. And new Universal Champion Roman Reigns has finally turned heel. Right now, while WWE controls the crowd audio, it's the perfect storm. WWE can present him as a heel on screen and everyone at home can love it and cheer him without it ruining the presentation. Thunderdome makes WWE feel big time again. 7.5 out of 10. I mean, that is is what we mentioned, that I think you'd very quickly be getting Roman Reigns... uh, and everyone loving it, which, I mean, to be fair, like, we're kind of just erasing from memory that, I mean, 
the like booing Roman Reigns, it was really gone after he got sick. Yeah, that's true. It was not a case where we were seeing that last year. It's true, yeah. But you know, I I, I definitely would take them. I mean, in a way, like censoring a a heel getting cheered than a babyface who would probably get booed. You know, like in the end, it's better to be left with somebody that we want to see and we want to, you know, we're entertained by than somebody we don't want on our TVs. Can you imagine if their numbers just like go through the roof, like on TV, like they continue to ride this wave. The the savings are just so immense at the Amway Center and they just announce one day, you know what? We've built we're we're buying an arena and we're never letting you back into the arena. Oh, <laughs> we're never letting fans back. We're yeah, done. Uh, safety, you, safe, safety you fans caused us so many problems <laughs> and headaches. We're done with you. You want to come to a show? Get on the link. Uh, but we have a vaccine. <laughs> uh, not okay. here. Yeah, they, they want a vaccine from the fans. Oh, God. We go to Jesse from the Six who says, so they finally turned Roman heel. After years of feedback from large portions of their audience that they didn't like his character, why now? Roman beats cancer, then takes time off to ensure the safety of his family. And now Vince looks at him and thinks, God damn, what a heel. And why the hell did they put the belt on wide for seven days? What was that about? The woman's tag was very good. I love the ending. Only Baszler can do stuff like that and make it look good. It also, I also liked how they treated the title win. Like it actually mattered, unlike Lashley's win earlier in the night. Okay. Well, I I think the key to you know flipping it to the fiend is that number one, you've kind of built like this this weird sympathy with your audience for the fiend. That here's the guy that won the title and you know gets loses it for, to to Bill Goldberg of all people, and for those really following, ends up losing his Roman Reigns match at Mania, and now here he gets it for a week. And obviously, like, they want to go with Roman and The Fiend. I think that was the direction, and that's that gives you that, you know, him losing the title without being pinned. For me, like, I I mean, yes, I know Roman Reigns is a cancer survivor. Um, at the same time, like, he, you know, we saw him come back from it. And it wasn't like they went with that in any way. It didn't necessarily, like, greatly elevate his status as a babyface in any way. I just look at this as a fresh story and a fresh take on, at this point, a pretty tired character. You know, we're talking about Roman Reigns, who has really been the same guy ever since he was in the Shield. Even out of the Shield, he was still pretty much the same character. So to see this amount of, like, change and evolution in a staple like Roman Reigns, to me, just, like, is a fresh story to tell. And that's hopefully what I think Vince looks at, rather than anything to do with his real life, you know, um, I guess uh, ha- happenings. Let's go to the phone lines. Hanzi, what's up? What's going on, guys? I hope you're well. Um, yeah, no, I I I really enjoyed uh, this pay per view. Actually, I thought it was a really solid pay per view. I I I thought maybe a big. I'm waiting for the big angle. Like I thought, like in the LED boards, like when uh something major with the retribution happens, they're gonna take over the LED boards, like one by one, kind of like anonymous, kind of in a way. I was actually I was like thinking that was gonna happen because I, I I was kind of thinking like Roman Reigns people were speculating if he was uh, had anything to do with retribution and I, I I was kind of wondering if that was gonna play a part in it but I mean I, I'm happy with the way it turned out but um, before I go do you guys uh, again I, I'm right I put that stupid fucking theory on your show about uh, impact invasion right 
But with Wade Barrett returning, do you guys think it's possible that he might have uh, something to do with Retribution? Because it would actually make sense because uh, he's debuting in NXT and that would make sense because, you know, he was a part of the NXT that was kind of a joke. And if anyone has like, uh, uh, you know, any, any, you know, justification for Retribution, it would be him. Like, do you guys think that's possible or no? And I'll uh, leave you with that. Thanks, Hanzi. Uh I appreciate your ability to, to tie things together. I, I don't see that happening at all. Like, I, I just see, like, NXT is completely divorced from the main roster, that you're not going to get characters crossing over like that. I think Barrett's just here to do... The the the, the interesting question will be Barrett if um, if he ends up with, like, a, a permanent role in mm. in the company doing, doing commentary. There's certainly, like, um, a very high possibility that this retribution thing will end up being filled with, like... NXT stars and have it ha- having it be some sort of NXT retribution, whatever. Um, I don't see Stu Bennett, Wade Barrett being the leader of that. If anything, I think it would have to be somebody you would associate more with modern day NXT, you know, like a Triple H or an Adam Cole or something like that. Or uh, do, you, do you do you find it at all tougher for them to be doing this angle where the focus is these guys screwing with your show, with your live show? When that's actually happening now with the with like the Thunderdome that mm. it's oh, it's all it's almost like we, we do all this stuff. It's like in a weird way. Is it just going to bring attention to that kind of stuff and encourage it? Um, it just seems like you're, you're trying to do like your WWE watered down version of our shows being hijacked when it's actually something that actually there are fans hijacked. that are. And, and I think it's something that, you know, we haven't seen anything since, you know, the incidents on Monday, but. I totally believe like there's going to be attempts for for like copycats out there to to do similar things and try and get their moment of fame. We haven't necessarily heard like what what sort of changes they would have made in in maybe the vetting process or the monitoring process, but um as far as I know they didn't get hit on Friday with anything and as far as I could tell tonight there wasn't necessarily anything. I mean other yeah, they, than Kenny... they only got they only had to deal with Kenny Omega, which I yeah. think they'll be they'll, they're fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, you know, I honestly, John, I didn't even really like put the two together. Um, I I have to imagine like people, you know, feel are are smart enough to like know the difference between in severity, right? Between one thing and then flicking the lights on and off for for a TV angle. Um, but it is a question about like where they see this retribution thing because it's like been two pay per views now where we haven't had anything from them. Um, is it just the case of them not wanting to use that gimmick on a pay-per-view and more, you know, leaving it more as a TV device? Um, or what? I mean, it's such a big storyline right now that I definitely think that they have to see it through and pay it off. Um, I guess how important within the body of the show going forward, do you think it'll be? Yeah. I mean, selfishly, like I think it's made for better pay-per-view shows. The fact you haven't had that stuff involved that you've limited that to television because, these these pay-per-views, I mean, look, look at what we've got. Like, yes, you're going to get, like, like, certain variances. But for the most part, like, we're getting a lot of clean finishes. They've shot a lot of angles on these shows. Like, they have been, you know, and largely, like, left people pretty satisfied. And I think Retribution, I think they know that that is something that I, I'm, I'm glad they've left it for television. I think it would have had a negative impact because invariably you almost have to leave that as like the show closer. And I think that really does leave the show on a, on a low note. I can definitely tell you like during this weekend, I didn't expect to see more shenanigans on a new Japan 
big stadium show than on WWE Payback, like in that main event. Right. Yes. Yeah. I actually enjoyed Payback more than that show. Uh, I I can't go that far because it had those two matches, like right in the middle of the show, the junior heavyweight and the never open weight title match. Those two matches were great. You're right. Well, the open one, the 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 uh, Shingo and and Suzuki was pretty badass. All right, let's go to Paul from New Jersey, who says, "Look at all of those clean finishes. What company is this? I really enjoyed the show. Storyline progression, paying off feuds, and the iconics helped the Riot Squad rekindle their friendship. Makes me want to tune in to see what happens next." Okay. Alexander from Portland. A fun show tonight. Hard to complain about a pay-per-view that's less than three hours. Lashley feels like he's at his strongest now since returning to WWE. Dominic is a far better wrestler than I anticipated, and Keith Lee looked tremendous. Seeing the action in the ring after it collapsed was a fun visual, and this may be the most I've looked forward to a Roman Reigns title run. Only downside is Braun Braun Strowman. I've gotten into his character lately, and seeing him lose two pay-per-views in a row in two successive weeks does not bode well. Here's hoping he moves to Raw, since he's clearly third at best on SmackDown. A 6 out of 10. Question, between tonight and SummerSlam, we didn't get any cinematic matches. Now that WWE is in the Thunderdome, do you think cinematic matches are done for? I don't think they're done for. Uh, I think on occasion, when it calls for it, they can definitely pull one out. And I definitely see eventually down the road in this like Bray Wyatt Roman Reigns feud, maybe that will be a uh, mm. you know another reason for a Firefly Fun House. I think when WrestleMania comes around, there might be an expectation for like something else, you know, um, for that uh, that that fits a cinematic mold. It's a gimmick they can always go to. I'm glad that it's not a gimmick that they're relying on every single month because they don't need it. Would you? I wonder if it would work better on television to promote it of doing a Firefly Funhouse and it's like babyface Bray Wyatt explaining Roman Reigns' turn a la John Cena and what you did at WrestleMania. Like, given how well that came across, I would have faith. Not to everybody. A lot of people hated it. No, but that's just because they didn't read your, your... section of it so you you would need to like explain it to everyone after the fact but i mean it's something i think you would be interested in do you think that that could be something like again to explain this turn that is a device that i think could be an effective way to do it and tie it to this feud absolutely yeah um yeah I, i i would love to see any sort of like storytelling in that sort of same mold um you know do you advertise it as a match or like a segment or just another edition of the Firefly Funhouse? I'm not really sure, but um, I I really don't know like how this fiend will operate as a babyface. You know, it's it's very hard to imagine how this is all going to play out. You also have Alexa Bliss kind of thrown in here, which just feels kind of um, Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, it's like it it almost would work better if Alexa kind of had something involving Braun that that could take care of those two. Uh, because I just, I don't know. We, we got to see how it plays out. They obviously have an idea and they've only hinted at it. So you can't condemn it till you see how it actually plays out. I also wanted to mention um, the Braun Strowman Chronicle. I, I haven't seen the whole thing yet. It's like about an hour long, but like yeah, I saw. Yeah, I heard it was it. like really, really heavy. It's excellent. Like it's really good. Um, he really talks a lot about like just his, I mean, his family. Um, like it kind of documents, I suppose, his um, like him getting the news that he was going going to get the title. Um, like he's very like Braun is very open and honest about like um interactions he's had in the past. I think it probably goes into like him 
with the money in the bank and then Vince deciding that he wasn't ready for it for the championship at that point. But um, it was one, it, it to me was one of the more refreshing, like open and honest and significant um, chronicles. Okay. I'm going to try to go to the phone lines right now. And um, we invite everybody to call in, but as always um, we make time for this gentleman, Brandon from New Jersey. How's it going? Did you? Hello? I didn't even mute you this time. Oh, hey, how are you? Good to see you. What's going on? How are you, my cherubic Canadian friends? How are you? How are you? Hey. How's Cruel Burlington? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> How's Burlington? Oh, Burlington, Vermont? Tremendous. Trying to get through, man. Okay. All right. I'm doing well. Um, the way you inspired me today, and, and I, for that I, I thank you a million times. Your, your story of struggle with the weed whacker, it, <laughs> it made me. Uh... You know what happened? Okay, um, I've never really had to use a weed whacker before, so I actually inherited one from a previous owner. So I got it, and I don't know about your weed whacker, Brandon, but like my weed whacker, you're supposed to tap the bottom as it's running in order to feed the line through. Absolutely, that's hard as shit. So. I, my first day using it, I turn it on, I whack this thing on the pavement, <laughs> fucking breaks the thing, spring pops out into the grass. I spend like an hour looking for the little spring that's in there. Can't find it. The comp- the weed whacker is done completely. So like I spend pretty much the entire summer trying to hunt down the sp- the exact spring and the exact parts that I fucked up in this weed whacker. So I went through pretty much the entire summer, like not having anything. And I finally tracked it all down at the end of the summer. Did you test it out? To use it. Yeah. No, I fixed did, it now. No, I mean, did you, did you try it out now? How, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It works great. I heard, I heard you're a green thumb. What? I heard you're a green thumb. No. <laughs> Mike Murray said you're, you're a green thumb. So. Oh no, 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 no. My fiance <laughs> is. I'm not. <laughs> okay. Whatever. I, at any rate, uh, John, uh, did you have a flashback with the, the flip-flops during Matt Riddle's uh, appearance tonight? Did his break? <laughs> I, I, well, he pissed off a lot of people, so it must have. <laughs> I had a flashback from my grandmother with that with that chonkla. <laughs> chonkla. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do, you, what do you think about John Danaher? With the <laughs> I love your impression. <laughs> Okay. He's he's awesome, man. I think he'd be perfect uh, for AEW or TNA or something like that. I, he's a he's a sly, deceptive guy. Uh, he look he looks like a Bond villain. It'd be great. I'm totally. down for it. Especially now that he's bald. Yes, you know? he he looks like Professor X. Huh? Interesting. Only without the wheelchair. <laughs> what else were you watching besides Payback tonight? Because I know uh, you were, you couldn't have just been sitting down and watching Payback. Uh, the Flyers' night. downfall. Yeah, absolutely. I saw oh. that too. It was tragic. Three to one. I don't know if we're going to pull it out. Uh, but but I love the Roman Reigns heel. I hope he gets new gear. Uh, maybe we get Laoki Reigns. What, what do you think about that from, from FCW? Okay. Ooh, yeah. Laoki Reigns. What should he wear? Uh, not, the, <laughs> not the Keith Lee garb, the Dragon Ball Z inspired garb he wore. <laughs> Is that what that, like, okay, so the thing was the shoulder pads I get. What about the skirt? I, I that That's like a, I think, uh, uh, Vegeta or, or, or Goku's uh, uh... <laughs> Did you say Vegeta? Like Kazuki Vegeta? 
You mean Vegeta, don't you? If I'm correcting you on Dragon Ball Z, that's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> Vegeta. <laughs> it's Iron Head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got into the ring and he just stood there for 30 minutes with Shizaki. That's my fight of the year, by the way. I mean, that's as close to a Dragon Ball match as you can get. I feel Randy Orton would have loved that match. <laughs> Holy first shit, one, yeah. First one, the blank wins. Well, um, thank you for the uh, great stroll down memory lane, Brandon. I love uh, I love you guys. I love you guys. Got a lot out of it. Weed have whacker great... stories. Call back thank in you. every show, Brandon. Thank you. Have a great evening. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. it's too much. It's too much. He needs to go. I'm cut him off. I'm cutting him off. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, where it were makes we? me feel happier after. Uh, we're on to uh, Kenny. You're up. Okay, we go to Kenny who says, Am I crazy or was that the best WWE pay per view of the year? No Daniel Bryan, no AJ Styles, no Drew McIntyre, and still some of the best wrestling of the year. More than that, they did the right thing when it came to building new stars. Shayna and Keith both looked like beasts. Riddle looked great against Corbin. Biggie got a nice win, and Dominic didn't seem out of place at all in an awesome tag match. All that said, the main event was predictable garbage. I don't even blame them at this point. I think it's impossible for the Fiend character to have a good match, and Strowman has been dead for months. Hopefully they have some idea for Reigns that doesn't involve those two, but I doubt it. 8 out of 10. No, it's obviously, like, those are going to be two characters here, well, especially the Fiend uh, attached to. MJ writes, Roman, to this fan, is a face. He took time off when the WWE was being negligent. He came back to save us from a very boring and tired three months of Bray and Braun. And he's aligned with Paul Heyman, which makes this turn unique for his character. It's total cool heel vibes, which equals face. Imagine this in front of a live crowd. They'd be eating it up, going nuts for him. Also, Matt Riddle reading a WWE scripted promo while high makes you realize what horrid scripting they are given. Quick breezy show tonight. A pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's faced in the sense that he's a cool heel, which people like. I think that's um, going to be the, I think they're trying to go away from that. I, th- I thought his actions in the main event, they want you away from cool heel. And like, that's a strong departure from Roman Reigns, who you would see mm-hmm. more in that light as the kind of the ass kicking heel. And they seem to be going like the, the guy who's going to be the opportunist and be cowardly. See, like, a, a beatdown like he did tonight with, like, the steel chairs and everything, people still would have went crazy for. Like, remember when ba- uh, Becky attacks Charlotte with, like, kendo stick? I mean, they love that stuff. Can you uh, believe we did not get the sign-off from Michael Cole? Like, after last week, SummerSlam, we never saw it coming. I thought 100% tonight, the closing shot was going to be Roman holding up that title and Michael Cole pronouncing, He arrived! Wrecked people left with the title. Well, he did not say that, but he did say this was certainly payback for Roman Reigns or something. Oh, God, he did get that. Wow. I can't believe we didn't get one paybacks a bitch line on tonight or in any of the TV leading up to this. It's actually in the theme song, I believe. Well, that was our only reference to it. I thought that that's for, for a word that the company has exhausted this year in promos. I just couldn't believe that when payback rolled around. Nothing. I mean, it was only a one-week build. You know, maybe next year, like, we get a whole month of, like, of, of some paybacks of bitches. I mean, Clash of the Champions. I mean, what, what, what are we going to use for that? I guess it's Clash of Champions. They dropped the. Oh, right. All right, we got, a, we got a Phil from the Bronx who says, It's crazy how seemingly 
how a seemingly nothing pay-per-view ended up being their best show of the year by far. Do you feel that way, John? You, no, the- I don't think this was the best show of the year. I think that this, I think this also tells you the bar of where, like, listen, yeah. it was a very good show. I thought this was a show that it was more so people were very happy with the booking as opposed mm-hmm. to just the matches. Like, the tag match was very good, but I wouldn't say any of the matches beyond that tag were ones that, like, blew, including the tag. I wouldn't say it was, like, blow away great, but they were all very good. And... I think tonight it was more so the booking, which is usually the biggest criticism coming out of a lot of these shows. But I would say that first night of WrestleMania, that was a very good show. If we're talking the empty arena era for WWE uh, and for shows of the year, um, I mean, just for WWE itself, uh, I guess I'd have to look back. I mean, the Rumble was pretty good. The men's Rumble was excellent this year. I forget everything already. Okay. Uh, He says every match uh, outcome gives way for new direction for the majority of the wrestlers. The heel champion in Roman Reigns, Bailey and Sasha are one step closer to turning on one another, and they're building up new talent in Biggie, Riddle, and Lee. Thankfully, there was no retribution tonight. I wouldn't be upset if they quietly dropped that angle and they're never spoken of again. Nine out of ten show. You know, it's a great idea to prolong Bailey and Sasha. Bailey saying, "I can't face you next month. It's Clash of Champions." Oh. Excellent. And she, and she refuses to face Sasha. That's a oh. great line. Coming off like losing all the belts. That's fantastic. And she has yeah. to do it like almost like pretending to be sad. Like those two getting to Hell in a Cell makes sense if that, yes. if that is the match that they go with. Absolutely. Yes. How do you feel about Hell in a Cell in this Thunderdome setup? Oh, that's a good question. Do they still do Hell in a Cell? I mean... It's it's like on the schedule as Hell in a Cell. Yeah. Can you even fit it in there with the LEDs oh, and everything? Yeah. Um, I I guess like the, yeah they could fit anything. I I th- I, th- I think they're fine with that. I guess it's just the idea of watching a Hell in a Cell. Um, and you'd probably have to like elevate the LED. Like it would take or, some changing around to do. It but. would actually be easier for the people in attendance because they would be watching just the TV angles and not yeah you know watching it live. I guess it's more so for the performers to be doing that kind of a match, which it's already. Anyway, it's interesting how you pull that off in this setting. It still That's serves normal. as like a good way to like blow off a major feud. And if you know Bailey and Sasha is one of those, then Bailey and Sasha is one. You yeah. could potentially do Drew and Randy, especially mm-hmm. if they're going to go separate directions at the draft. Yep, that could be the blow off. Yep. So. Uh, we go to Matt. Uh, surprising, surprisingly, a great show filled with good matches. I don't know if you noticed, but Biggie and Sheamus were very physical in their match, especially in the beginning with stiff shots. I actually thought it helped the match and made it more enjoyable. The women's tag was great. Shayna Baszler was MVP in the match. What a finish. My only issue was with the main event. Leave it to WWE to have a perfect pitch and still only hit a baseline hit. Felt Roman should have just come in when he did. Hit Braun with the spear, gets up, wins the belt. Not look weak trying to pin both champions multiple t- or bo- both men multiple times and fail. But hey, he gets the title. That was the right call. I mean, I, I- think the idea was to make you not like this guy. Like, yeah, like make him into this, like they made it clear, like here is this guy and positioning him in that light that here are Braun and and the Fiend under these circumstances still kicking out. Like they were portrayed as like the baby faces in that scenario. And Roman was the cowardly heel uh, as opposed to just coming in, kills the guy with the spear. And it's that's not as clear of a story that they've told. He wanted to come in and do no work and just pin guy, pin somebody to get the win. Yeah, you yeah. just want to wreck people and leave. Yeah. All right, finally, we got a Brian from New York who says, so we can probably put more stock in Keith Lee being... I don't know if he meant uh, 
meant that as a pun but here, but he says, so we can probably put more stock in Keith Lee beating the biggest heel in the company in another seven minutes than what his pants or music selections are, right? Overall, a very fun show tonight with all the results making a ton of sense. A fresh Roman Reigns getting the belt away from the Fiend Strowman feud, Big E winning, Matt Riddle winning, Keith Lee winning, the Mysterios getting a much-needed victory, and Shayna looking like an absolute badass. With shorter pay-per-views in this COVID era, there does seem to be room to do quick turnarounds with major Sunday cards with the roster size they have. At least this time around, it was a positive experiment. Now, if the, only they can figure out if Clash of Champions three is <laughs> Clash of Champions is three weeks or four weeks away. They've got four weeks. Yeah, I, I would say even though this turned out to be you know two, I would say enjoyable shows with SummerSlam and Payback. I am scratching my head why we came back a week later for Payback. It's not like you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't they say they don't gain anything on the subscription front because it was it's the same month. Yeah, I mean, and like we've seen the breakdown, like it, granted, it's not a huge figure by their standards, but they got to pay extra to run these Sunday pay-per-views in that building. So um, like that's built into the contract that like the Sunday shows cost X amount uh, of dollars as well. Um, my, my best guess is that they had some idea that didn't pan itself out. But yeah, it was strange and not something that I need to be revisiting in, in the future doing pay-per-views on back-to-back weeks for WWE. Quick shout out to the people that have joined us. Uh, a lot of people watching with us in the live chat room. So all of you double double plus patrons, thank you. Bruavin, MJ from NJ, Richard Smith, uh, Brandon from New Jersey, of course. Uh, uh, whoever's controlling the up next account right now, Braden or Davey, you can check those guys out on their post show, on their own Patreon, I'm sure. And also their watch along, which is available for free on their YouTube, youtube.com slash up next. Uh, Jared Taylor, uh, thank you, thank you, all you guys for uh, Biff Lawson. Thank you for, to anybody who decided to tune in live today. It's so early; we could go pop over to Brandon Davies right now. Let's do it. Yeah, eleven thirty. All right, that's going to uh, wrap up the show. Hey, last note uh, before I forget: you may have noticed this more than me. Rey Mysterio, he came out tonight, and his theme, it's not like the POD version. Am I like out to lunch? Has that been the case for a long, long time? Because I didn't notice it until tonight. I actually didn't pay such close attention. Um, he, he's got like the Keith Lee where it's like does the opening and then it goes into just this very generic tune. And was not Booyaka? It was not Booyaka. Oh, which will be very sad if we have officially it, retired that. Did he walk out with Dominic, though? Uh, they just they did walk out. They did walk out together. Maybe it's Dominic's. The I, I can't even tell you off the top of my head what Dominic's theme is. So maybe that was what I was listening to. Okay. Anyone in the mess? Uh, anyone in the uh, the room can tell us. Well, uh, whoever says, oh, I think it's Davies. Davies says, yeah, John, best time to come over here. Braden's not here. That's what he says. Oh, wonderful. Well, there we go. That's the end of our show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will be back on Monday night with Rewind to Raw, the final show of August, and then we dive into September. We've got our review of what are we doing this week? Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety one. You you've yeah. not you have not started Halloween Havoc, correct? Absolutely not, dude. Give yourself time. Okay. This is not a one sit down watch. Uh, I will definitely start tomorrow then. So we'll be doing Hall- that. Halloween Havoc, nineteen ninety one, and then we are into the month of September, which for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe that means more shows than any time of the year because we will do, be doing all our regular Tuesday shows with multiple Rewind Aways, Rocky Two review plus. All of our G1 
coverage, which will begin with a show September 18th. We'll have shows after every single G1 card on the Post Wrestling Cafe. And as a teaser for our Rocky Two review, uh, way you will be putting out our first Rocky review. Is this correct? Yeah, I think as a nice way to give a bit of a bo- um, preview for people who are uh, considering listening to our uh, Rocky reviews coming up, I, I think because um, we're, yeah, on the first, we're just going to put it out there. We'll put, put up the first Rocky one, one review up there for people to listen to. And uh, yeah, if you enjoy it, sign on for the rest. Uh, but on that note too, John, this past weekend, of course, um, you know, the entire like Twitter, the most liked tweet actually, um, this this thing, and a very unfortunate one, of course. Uh the passing of Chadwick Bozeman. We found out about it on Rewind of SmackDown, pretty much. And uh I know a lot of people are still very much gutted. Um we did a review, of course, of Black Panther from February of this year with myself and Nate Milton talking about the film. We decided to put that show up there for free as well. So if you if you just go to postwrestling.com and search Black Panther, if you happen to rewatch the film this week and wanted to hear two people talk about what that film means to them, it means a great deal to the both of us. Um, you can listen to that review and uh, really just kind of like, you know, spend a bit more time like thinking about the incredible work that this man accomplished in the past several years. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a great review that Way and Nate did. And on that front, uh, I would definitely direct everyone to uh, a special show that Nate did on Friday night after he got, uh, you know, like everybody, learned of the news of uh, Chadwick Boseman's passing. You can find that at patreon.com slash the kings of sport. And it's a free show that he put up just kind of reacting in real time. I found it to be like a really emotional listen mm-hmm. uh, just to hear from, from Nate. Like it was um, really ju- just someone that was just, you know, using, you know, his ability to just process it in real time. It was, it's a very significant loss for a lot of people. Ooh. Also Nate this month uh, for the entire month of September, any new patron who signs up to the Kings of Sport, he's going to be donating all of those proceeds to, uh, I believe, charities that uh, Chad- Chadwick Boseman, like in the in the name of Chadwick Boseman. I'm not as, um, sure which charities themselves, but again, um, we're patrons of of the Kings of Sport. Um, Nate Milton does fantastic work, of course, and that's that alone is enough reason to want to support the man. Uh, but an even better cause this month. So yeah, they they out. put out a lot of great shows with Nate Milton, Marcus Vanderberg, uh, Chris from LA, who people will uh, ha- have heard on our network as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Kings of Sport. So check all out uh, all of their fine work. And if you're a new patron, goes to a great cause this coming month. So that's going to wrap up the show. Thank you to all of you for tuning in tonight. We'll be back Monday night following Raw.